Hello, it's Dan here from Desert Island Dicks. Today, the episode features the very wonderful John Holmes, and I hope you'll enjoy it. He was very good, I think. This episode was recorded about three weeks ago, so about a week or so before working from home and lockdown and things like that. So I just wanted to point that out, because podcasts at the minute are going to be coming out in a slightly different order, what with everything that's going on. So just in case you were sitting there seething, thinking this awful, selfish Git. How dare he go into a studio when we're all in lockdown? He's draining the NHS and making a big... Pro- I'm not. I'm just... Oh, we, it was fine at the time to go into town and, and meet people and record podcasts and be slightly glib about the whole thing. It's all different now. But anyway, let's not get bogged down in that. Hope you enjoy the podcast and there will be more released very soon. Cheers. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is broadcaster, comedian, writer and podcaster John Holmes. Everyone's a podcaster now, aren't they? Have you noticed recently how that has been added to everybody's CV that you've ever met? Yeah. You know, your guy comes around your house uh, and he goes, so what's the problem? You go, oh, I've got a, a leaking tap. And he goes, right, I'm a plumber. Also a podcaster. And that happens now. It's yeah. people, everyone can do it. So, yeah, here we are. I mean, it's, about, it's just a given, you might as well say. It is a given. Human slash podcaster. You might as well. It might just be the catch-all. If someone just said, yeah, I identify as a podcaster, <laughs> it would cover everything. And all those problems and arguments from the various lobbies yeah. would go away. I think it's like when people on Twitter sort of say, father, son, husband. Yeah. You know, those things. It's like, again, with podcasts, it doesn't yeah. need to be said. It's a given that you're, you know, you're, you're someone's. Yeah. yeah, it should be like, um, you know, like like a pronoun, shouldn't it? It's yeah. just like, you know, he, him, podcaster. That's, <laughs> that's what I am now. Well, thank you for coming in. And uh, how did you find the process of, of choosing your, your... It's quite difficult, isn't it? Mm. It's quite uh, it's quite a tricky... Because I, I realise um, that most people want to come across as nice. So the idea of sort of slagging people off on a podcast mm. to a lot of people is a... It's an anathema. It's, it's sort of, oh, I don't want to, doesn't want to come across. But you know, I hate lots of things, so mm. I, I kind of felt vaguely at home yeah. doing it. But it's hard to narrow it down. That's, that's the it. problem. I think people either find it hard to be hateful to people, or yeah. they hate so many people it's yeah. hard to whittle it yeah, down. There's no middle ground on this. No, not at exactly. all. No. Okay. Well, let's just dive straight in. Who is going to be your first dick on the island? Well, I'm going to start with a. You won't know who she is. Okay. But um, she is a Russian lady. Mm-hmm. who is in charge of the cabin baggage size <laughs> okay. uh, at... Uh, well, she, I've seen her both end. So she's in charge of cabin baggage, baggage size either at Stansted Airport mm. or St. Petersburg Airport okay. because she works for the budget Russian airline Pobeda. Wow. Okay, so this is quite niche. I like this it's already. It's absolutely niche, right? And I've travelled quite a bit because I, I mean, not not currently while the coronavirus is on, mm. which is at the time we're recording this. <laughs> but uh, I, another sideline, apart from being a podcaster, <laughs> is that I do travel writing. Mm. Okay, usually for the Sunday Times, and so I do get to go to a lot of strange places across the world, and and so I travel a lot. So I see. I've never been able to understand why cabin baggage, right? Given that the planes are broadly the same depending on the route, why the cabin baggage requirement for one 
identical plane mm. is different to that plane, which is the same plane going somewhere else. And yeah. I can't... And you ask people who should know about these things and they just go, oh, it's airline regulations. And you go, no, it isn't. No. It isn't because I... Because I, I'm pedantic, I went to Boeing, right, <laughs> and said, are there cabin baggage requirements aboard your aircraft because it's all to do with weight, size, mm. you know, stuff fitting. And they went, no, it's up to the individual airline. So they just make it up. Oh. Yeah. So they can charge you more money. That's all it's for. I don't want to sort of single people out, but sometimes I feel that I've seen much bigger people getting on with smaller bags. Yeah. And, you know, as a fairly slight person, I think, well, let's just even, even it, out. it out. Can't there be a sort of exactly. a scale yeah. or something and then it's fair? I mean, I could personally fit in an overhead locker, <laughs> right? So I, I should be able to bring a big old bag that yeah. can sit in my seat while I have a nap in the locker. But this woman, right, so um, I had done my research because I travel so I thought well I'm going to check the cabin baggage sizes and I don't want to be beaten by this thing so I, I got to the gate with one that fitted and I've never seen this before you know when you're at an airport and sometimes they'll put your bag in a little like cage yeah yeah. yeah. this woman had a tin box <laughs> right, with a lid not only did your thing have to fit in this tiny, tiny, tiny box, the lid had to close fully. Not a fra- not even a millimetre was allowed for the lid to be open. Wow. It had to fit entirely. And she was fastidious about it. I mean, she was sort of like... Mil- she wasn't military, but she might as well yeah. have been. She had that steely look in her eye. And she wanted to beat everybody in the queue <laughs> who hadn't been pre-warned. Now, on this flight, which was a budget flight, mm. okay, to uh, St. Petersburg, and it was the first... It was the inaugural flight. That was why I was reviewing it. Okay, go to St. Petersburg, and it was only like 30 quid. 30 quid to St. Petersburg is not a bad price. So no. I know it's a budget airline. I know what I'm going to get. Mm. Fine. Um, but a lot of people didn't. So they've got rucksacks and stuff and, you know, shopping from mm. the duty-free. No, that wasn't allowed either. Wow. No, everything you were taking on board had to fit into tiny, tiny mm. Nazi tin, right? <laughs> and, and nobody, apart from mine, no ones <laughs> did because no one had checked. And so what you got was a queue of people frantically trying to repack bags and then have to check the bags in because they needed to take them but weren't allowed, so they had to then queue to pay. Oh, to put. So this entire disaster was going on because this one was so... And, and, and people would unpack their bags, come back, try to squash it back into her one tin, <laughs> and then she'd sort of close the stare at them, close the lid slowly... And then as it got closer to the bit where it was supposed to close, and if it, you know, if she could judge that it didn't, she sort of smiled in an evil way and then just made... No, niet. And then you had to start again. Wow. Then the whole queue was... And this one bloke, right? So this... And this is what really annoyed me about her, OK? One man, uh, he got his stuff finally into, into this box, right? Fine. Then he was allowed to check in. This was at the check-in. Right. So everyone goes through and you do your thing and then you go to the gate to board, right? And this bloke had misunderstood. So he'd got his bag that was allowed in the tin, but he'd gone shopping. So he had got, right, he was a Russian (laughs) guy, he'd got a souvenir tin of shortbread and the tin was the shape of Tower Bridge, (laughs) right? And he'd got, for some reason, well, I know the reason, because they didn't, the other thing, they didn't serve food or drink at all on this flight. Okay. Not even a trolley. Nothing. Nothing. No no opportunity. Which is insane, because that's how they make their money. But no, mm. so you had to take your food on, OK? And there was a strict rule about no alcohol on board as well. Right. Everyone smuggled alcohol, of course they did. But this guy hadn't got that memo either, yeah. so he'd bought loads of food. So he'd got, for some reason, a, a multi-bag of bags of crisps, OK? So he had ten individual bags of crisps in a multi-bag, 
He's tin of Tower Bridge shortbread. <laughs> and, of course, he got to the front, and I thought, this isn't going to go well, is it? Because, um, of course, you can't... T- everything has to fit in. So what you were treated to then, and this is why the plane was delayed, was a man frantically eating <laughs> shortbread and crisps, sitting what? on the floor by the end, just to spite the woman. <laughs> the driest picnic yeah. in the world. And she was honestly like a dementor. She was just sucking the joy out of flights. Wow. And just she was absolutely horrific. And I just had an utter dislike for her. And I just thought, if she's on a desert island, yeah. right, you know, I you know, she would probably ration the sand. I mean, she was just that sort of person. And so she was an utter, utter jobs worth dick that I definitely want on an island. Standing there with her luggage coffin. Exactly that. (laughs) It was a tiny... I mean, I wrote down the sizes, right? So this, uh, so it was centre at 36, right? Uh, 30, 27. Now, that is no size. No. For about, you know, I think, um, you know, BA is like 55 or something. You know, it's like ridiculous. Yeah, nothing is that shape. No. Even if if the volume is the same, they're not going to fit in that. And the fact that it was a tin with a lid. What's she doing? So, no, so that's it. That's... uh, And also, when I... Uh, I, I smugly put my bag in because, I, again, I had checked. So I'd, I'd, all I took was my camera stuff on board in that sense. So, you know, because I don't want to put that in anyone's hold. You'd take that with you. So that's kind of what fitted on an iPad. That was all right. Um, and when the lid closed and, I, and she couldn't do anything to me, specifically, and I was the only one, yeah. and she looked angry that I'd beaten her box. <laughs> uh, and I was smug because uh, ru- the Russian, Russian word perbida mm. means victory. Okay. And I was like, yeah, Pobeda, you. <laughs> I think airports are a, a real sort of battleground for sort of pettiness, aren't they? It's somewhere where logic doesn't apply. You know, with the sort of 100 mils or less kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I remember oh. having a half-empty container of, I don't know, cream or some kind of thing. And they said, oh, it's over 100 mils. And I was like, but it's half-empty. Yeah. You can check, you can see it's under half-empty. And it says 100 mils on the thing. Know, and you're like, but... But yeah, oh, it's just... like they think you've you've got uh, you've yeah, hundred mils, but the empty part of that container must contain the explosive stuff, the yeah. explosive air that you're taking on board and is clearly thing, in that bottle. It doesn't seem to make sense anyway. But given that you can take as many of them as you like, so you could have you know you can't have one big pot of explosives, but you can yeah. have a million tiny ones. And any bomber worth his or her salt knows damn well that it's the mixing of the stuff once yeah. you're on board that causes the, the chemical reaction that creates the explosion, right? <laughs> so you have to keep this stuff separate to go on board anyway. So in actual fact, they should make you mix it to take it on and there it's safe. Idiots! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that does sound like an incredibly... I mean, even if you're going for sort of... Whether you're in for business or pleasure, just starting any kind of flight like that is no. going to put you... No. It's, it's uh, you know, you've got to know. And why, I said, why is yours... I've been on this plane before, you know, from another airline, OK? I, the, and it wasn't full, so there's plenty of room in the overhead locker. I mean, yeah. it's not like it was... Cra- I get it if people are taking on enormous things yeah. and the lockers are full. I get that, right? But not in this situation. And, I, and the fact that she was arguing uh, about it with people when, when it wasn't a full flight and it, it's so specific... It's just, you just don't need to do it. Just use a bit of common sense. And if other planes on other fleets are the same plane and their baggage allowance is much bigger, why have you just chosen to do that? Do you think they're sort of maybe sort of making a bit on the side, taking other stuff over for people, and it's kind of, oh, right, we've, we've smuggled so much of this stuff. Yeah. You're going to really... Can you get the smaller tin? Yeah, get, get bring the out small... the small tin. We'll get the small tin. <laughs> Honestly, I, I've never seen a tin like it on any other airline at all. Amazing. And she was, it was like Pandora's box. <laughs> 
<laughs> feels like purgatory is is you know standing in a queue trying to make a bag fit into a tin, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Over and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just shaving into. bits off the bag, taking taking out a toothbrush just in case it now fits. It's, it's like awful. a modern day version of that Greek myth, you know, the man who had to roll a rock up a hill every yeah. day yeah. and start oil over again. I think that's an amazing addition. And and as you say, you know, to be stuck on an island with that level of pedantry would just be excruciating. Oh, you can imagine, can't you? Just every last thing you're trying to do. Uh, does it fit in the box? Oh, God, the box, you know. I've, been, I've got, I've, I've been out, I've got, I've caught fish. We can live another day. Oh, does the fish fit in the box? Yeah, oh, God! <laughs> okay, uh, John, who's going to be your, your second choice for the island? Well, now, this, um, so this time, so I've gone obscure woman from airline. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this time, this one, because I, I know... The people do. I've gone celebrity. Okay. Because I think that's right and proper. Now, it's a real... This was a... I struggled with this because there are two particular celebrities that I find to be dicks. Okay, both based on personal experience. Okay. So it's not just like I'm watching someone on telly going, oh, they're a dick. Right? This is Because I'm more than happy. You know, I, 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 I find, you know, I, I, I find people um, to be fine unless something's happened that makes yeah. them not fine. Yeah. I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt, okay. shall we say. So while I will watch, um, you know, television and go, well, that's clearly a dick, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I'm, I've based these on personal, so I can categorically <laughs> tell you they are dicks. Okay. So I've got two, but I'll, I'll pick one over the other, but I'll briefly tell you about one and then okay, we'll, we'll sure. go through. So my first one, if you like, the one I'm not going to actually pick is David Walliams. Okay. Okay, because I've uh, interviewed David Walliams maybe three times uh, and each time he was a dick. Uh, <laughs> and just rude. Just rude and unpleasant. Okay. okay. Now, so uh, Quite at odds with his public persona. Isn't it though? Yeah, isn't it? Um, funny that. And so it's, al- it's almost like he's a different person, isn't it? It's odd, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we won't talk about his books. But anyway, because um, that's probably a legal thing, but, but, but <laughs> let, let's just say he's not necessarily the person you think he is. I think that's broad enough. Uh, but no, I've interviewed and and each time what I found was, so this is purely personal, it's only mm-hmm. me, he might be fine with everyone else, although I've heard he isn't, right? But <laughs> if you... So I was interviewing him on Radio 2, because I was sitting in for Chris mm-hmm. Evans, right, on Radio 2, and he came in and I... And the, also on the show was Miranda Hart, mm-hmm. okay? Who's lovely. Yeah. Right. So she... Kn- but Miranda Hart knows David Williams, right? They obviously mix in the showbiz circle way above my pay grade. Okay? <laughs> sure. And that's fine. So he came in. Now, bear in mind, I'm operating the desk, you know, for those radio people listening to this, right? So I'm, I'm technically sitting in the presenter spot. Miranda's mm-hmm. uh, opposite me. Yep. Um, but also on the, on the show. And David's the guest. So he comes into the studio... And he just, you know, and you do polite things. You go, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, I'm John. And he just ignored me just and looked past me and just or barely gave me, gave me a sort of snooty glance. Right. And then just, just went, Miranda! And then just wandered over and had a hug with her. Um, and even sort of over his shoulder, she looked at, looked at me and just sort of went, hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, as if to say, what have you done to upset him? And I'm like, I'm doing anything yet. Um, anyway, so, that, so that, that's fine. But then he, I was asking the questions, mm. okay, you know, not, I, I, you know, I don't even remember what he's being interviewed about. It wasn't a book. It was something else. And I'm like, But he's addressing all of the answers. He'll listen to the question, but then he just turns up to Miranda and just speaks to her. 
Wow. Like that. And I was like, what are you doing that for? Yeah. This is dicky behaviour. There's no need for this, because I've been nothing but polite to you. And presumably, you know, in, a, in an arena to promote his stuff as well. Yeah. So it's kind of... But I, but I thought, OK, you know Miranda quite well. That's fine, right? But, you, but in this scenario, you, you should be being at least polite. And then he, but he wouldn't even speak to me. I mean, he didn't... Nothing was addressed to or... Wow, that's fascinating, was, isn't it? But then, about maybe a month later... Okay. Uh, now Miranda was staying in the Savoy. Okay. Okay, for a work thing. Can't remember why, but I we were having a meeting about something else we were working on. Uh, so I went to her Savoy suite that she'd been given mm. uh, for this meeting to have a chat about whatever it was. Uh, and she was sort of like, "This is brilliant. Look, I've got this suite. I don't know why. It's amazing. Come and have a look. It's fine." So we went up, right, and and then she said, "Oh, uh, David's popping by," and I'm like, "David, who?" <laughs> she was like, "Williams," and I was like, "Hmm, uh, okay." I thought, "Fine." The, in the environment of the studio, yep. maybe that's just a thing he does. But this is now a relaxed, friendly environment, yeah. well away from broadcasting, in a suite at the Savoy. We're all just normal people now. We're all normal human beings, aren't we? That's exactly right. We're all on the same level. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> no. Same thing happened. Straight wow. in. She said, Dave, you know, do you remember John? And he just sort of went, hmm. And then just spoke to her the whole time. Wow. I mean, literally... I was just saying that I might as well have been a bookcase. Because sometimes, you know, you might be watching telly and there's something where there's a character who behaves like that. Yeah. Or you hear an anecdote about someone and you always assume these sort of people don't exist. And when you actually see that in real life and you just think... And you're always so taken aback, you, you have nothing left. Yes. Because you're playing the game. The, yeah. You know, the normal, polite... Human interaction yeah. sort of game. And they, exactly. They're not only rude, but they leave you with nothing. You're just bereft of any response, yeah, aren't you? I had, nothing, I had nowhere to go on either occasion. Because even though I was trying to go, go, oh, you know, how are you? You know, whatever. Nothing. I mean, not even an acknowledgement that I was there. Wow. So weird. weird. But he's not even the biggest dick. <laughs> so that brings me on. Yeah, that was the... But the connection is, okay. is a suite at the Savoy. Right. So... Uh, during another stint of presenting, uh, uh, this time on XFM Breakfast, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and as you'll know, if you're, you're presenting a radio show, you often have to go to junkets to interview A-list celebrities about their films. Yeah. Okay. So big Hollywood stars, and you get maybe, I don't know, seven allocated minutes with a room full of PRs and the star, and you wait outside in a corridor to queue up, uh, and then you're wheeled in as somebody from, I don't know, Five Live or whatever, where it's just wheeled out. It's your yeah. turn with this star, who, of course, I get, right, they are, as part of their contract to promote this film, are sitting in a hotel suite, you know, bored out of their minds, saying the same thing over and over again about this film. And they're quite, they're very rigorously maintained time-wise, aren't they? There's, like, it's sort of meticulously, you know, as soon as one's out, the other one's in. So Absolutely. it's not always... I mean, it's sort of... I can imagine it, it just breeds hostility on their part yeah. because they probably just feel like a cog in a massive That's machine, exactly right. But they're the centre cog, right? Mm. They're the big name. They are paid a lot of money, yeah. right, in order to make a film and then promote it as part... And, and to promote a film, at least be enthusiastic about sure. it. At least give something to the poor sod <laughs> presenter who's got to come in, you know, across town or whatever and sit in a corridor for an hour waiting for seven minutes with you. And if that's happening, you should put some effort in, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's, that's only fair. Because you're fair. selling their bloody film for them. 
Yeah. As well. You're then going to go, oh, we've got so-and-so on the programme today and he's talking about or she's talking about whatever it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, how, however much that might be an, an exhausting, tedious thing to do for you, the film star, you could still have the option of taking six months off to live in one of your houses exactly with that. your family. Also, you're an actor. Act. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like it. Just do some fucking acting. <laughs> so, anyway, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow, Big Arnie. Yeah. Controversial. Big Arnie, big dick. <laughs> um, it wasn't that kind of hotel suite meeting. Um, is he controversial? Wow. Do you, did you, I mean, do you, do you have an impression of him already? I, no, I don't know. I mean, I think, I say controversial because I think he's a popular figure. Yeah. I don't know if anyone, I don't know if I have an idea of whether he'd be nice or not. He's not. You know, <laughs> okay, now I have an idea. <laughs> well, look, here's what happened. Okay. But I mean, there's a lot of people that you kind of go, yeah, we love his films, but famously a dick. With Arnie, I think he's sort of managed the public persona. He's yeah. managed to sort of... He's fairly neutral, isn't he? And it's almost a bit of a cult figure, you know. I think you're right. I think mm. you're right. And he became governor of California, didn't he? Because yeah. you know, he's got charisma, mm. you know. But So here's what he did, right? So I uh, got wheeled in for my seven minutes, okay? And the PR said, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, uh, this is John. Uh, he's from a radio station called XFM here in London. Um, and... Uh, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's next in, like that. And he didn't look up, right, for no reason why he should, right? He was reading a coffee table book, right, off... He just picked it up off the, the, the coffee table in this hotel suite. And it was like a big art book, like hardback, proper, big old thing. Uh, we, and I can't remember what it was, but, I, you know, big glossy pages, that kind of thing. And he was just staring at it, you know, on his lap. And she said again, I mean, Schwarzenegger, uh, it's got, I've got John from... He was probably thinking, oh, it's that bloke Williams doesn't like. I'm not going to talk to him. But he, he didn't, again, he didn't look up. And I thought, well, he might, he, he might be hard of hearing. I don't know. He's been around a lot of explosions in his yeah, time. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. He's fired bazookas off his shoulder. Yeah. And that's the shoulder with the ear nearest to me. So we can forgive yeah. him that. So I thought, okay, that's, yeah, that's fine. Anyway, he's, you know, he's probably a bit jaded. He's been doing this all day. I'm the 25th person <laughs> to do this today. So I sort of wandered over, because then, you know, you have to sit next to him to do the interview while the producer's just sort of plugging in microphones. Mm. And I stood directly in front of him. And I and I and I, I didn't say Mr. Schwarzenegger. I, you know, I thought I'm not going down that route. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, so I, and I didn't say Arnie because I thought that's a bit familiar. Yeah. So I went with Arnold. Safe ground, you'd think. It's his name. <laughs> well, that's what I figured. <laughs> uh, I said, Arnold, I'm John. It's really nice to meet you. And I held out my hand, right, to shake. Now, this is pre-coronavirus, obviously, it's yeah. a while ago. So there's no reason why I shouldn't have shaken my hand. Mm. Um, and he didn't look up. Now I'm standing in front of him, right in front of him. I mean. Not a foot away, okay? Wow. The book is on his lap. I am now between the coffee table and his lap. And he's still staring at this book. All right? And I, and I, I said, I said, I said, oh, no, really nice to meet you. I'm John. Nothing. He then pointedly turned one of the pages of the book. Wow. Right? And I was like, this is weird. What's going on? So I thought, well, and my hand's still, still <laughs> outstretched in that awkward way. So I thought, well, I can either retract my hand... Or I could do what I did, which was to put my hand between the book and his face. <laughs> <laughs> so reaching across. So he was literally then staring at my hand. Oh, man. At that point, he didn't take it. At that point, though, he looked up and just stared at me. Wow. To the point where I thought, that's quite intimidating. I'll probably <laughs> yeah. sit down. So I sat down. Now, that's not a good start, is it? And then I thought, OK, well, the intro, I've got seven minutes. 
So what I li- what I like to do when I'm interviewing a, a you know a Hollywood type, I don't actually want to pile in talking about their film because I know they're bored of that. Mm. So I'll come in with something else I've found out or you know standard yeah. operating technique, mm. isn't it? So I started by telling you. I said I said okay, excellent breakfast with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and um, and he uh, he's got this film to promote, but uh, but never mind that. Um, let me tell Arnold. Let me tell you this, and he sort of was looking at me by now because you know that's mm. fine. There's PRs all sitting around as they do. And I said, a friend of mine, I told him a story about where a friend of mine went for a job once, a Madame Tussauds, okay, and um, didn't get the job. But after the interview, went outside for a fag at the, in an alleyway at the back, um, where, uh, or somewhere out the back, where they were kick, chucking out a load of old waxworks, right. right, and just stuff, right? And he, he nicked Arnold's old head, <laughs> right? <laughs> and this, I mean, this is years ago. Uh, and then he left it on, on a tube, he left it on the circle line. Wow. So I told Arnold that story because I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. And just said, so somewhere, Arnold, your head is going round and round the circle line. That's quite a funny story yeah, yeah. that you think he could have interacted with, right? Yeah. You know, you know, he could have said, it's going round and round, it'll be back, or something. <laughs> yeah, anything, yeah, just... anything, Arnold. I'm giving it to you on a plate here. <laughs> but no, he just stared at me, didn't say anything, looked over at the PR and just shrugged his shoulders as if to say... What the fuck is this guy on about? Wow. Yeah. And wow. I mean, none of, what's, what I keep thinking is none of this behaviour had started from anything you've done. You no. Know, like you've just walked in. And, and maybe this I'm happened. just that kind of person. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And then, but then, so we did, we did it, and I gave up doing anything different. I just said, oh, tell me about the film. And he went, yeah, the film is with guns and the thing, <laughs> right? And, and that's fine. And then I got, you know, five yeah. minutes of, of just every single line he'd said and rehearsed that I heard in every interview that he did across that. PR period. So I went back to to work and mm-hmm. said to the producer, I said, we're not using that shit. It's boring. Uh, 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 unless we... I tell this story mm. and we pitch shift his voice up to be that of a chipmunk <laughs> um, and and then we play that out. Yeah. Okay. And, and he went, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's fine. That's funny. Uh, I said, because, you know, I, I reserve the right to make hi- him entertaining given he was so boring. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's my, your my right. show, do I? Yeah. Like, right. Anyway, so he did. <laughs> now, and it was... It did... Ha ha, funny, on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And then someone added him in. <laughs> yeah, let's just say, right, since that moment, I am now no longer invited to any Arnold Schwarzenegger junkets or interviews. And even though he's been back a couple of times since with yeah. different films, I have been pointedly told by the film company that Mr Schwarzenegger does not require <laughs> me to come in. I think in terms of your life and sanity, you've probably done yourself a favour by being blacklisted by Arnie there. I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Just, I mean, again, that sort of behaviour to know that you're there and sort of, well, I'm reading, I'm busy, I'm not even going to... No. Even if you just said, sorry, I've just seen this book on 18th century wagon wheels that they've left (laughs) on the coffee table in the Savoy. I don't know, that's the sort of book I imagine they have. I think it probably is. Sorry, John, just let me finish this paragraph, I'll be right with you. Yeah. But just to not even see you there... I mean, such a sort of. But he, like, you know, he knew, deliberately, he knew I was there, but deliberately chose. It's almost like, well, hang on, our seven minutes haven't started yet, so I'm not going to engage with you yeah. at all until our allotted time, which isn't how human beings work. It's such a dickish power play, isn't it? It's yeah. just that sort yeah. of you only get, and you only get to be like that if you've been allowed to be like that for years and years. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, I mean, there has to be a bit of you, a seed that starts off that person and then it's just sort of cultured over yeah. years like a horrible shitty pearl until there you're just this awful person ignoring people like that. I know, I know. There's no, there's no need for it. And, well, you know, you meet most 
um, Hollywood stars that you you know in in this context mm. of meeting them, which is a work environment, of course, not social. And most of them are pretty lovely, especially when they're on their own and their their people aren't around them. Yeah. So you're right, it's the people around them that, that I think change sort of change their mindsets. And I've got I won't give them now; it's gone too long. But you know, I've got examples where um, a PR has said, "No, Mister So and So won't do that." Yeah. And the moment they've left the room and and the person is in the room, they go, they go, I will do that, it's fine. Yeah. And they do. And, yeah. and it's, so it's never them. It seems unwarranted with Arnie, because we've all enjoyed his films, and there's some great fun for... Well, you know, they're not, they're not held up as masterpieces of modern <laughs> cinema, but they're fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, Terminator, excellent, yeah. of course. You yeah. know, I mean, we'll take the first two, we'll ignore the rest, but, like... <laughs> It's one of those things where sometimes... I don't really agree with the thing of this person is such a great artist, he's allowed to be a dick. Because I think that's not fair, OK? You can create something incredible, still be, you know, adhere to the, the you know, the niceties of yeah. and polite conventions of being a human. But with him, it's not like he's a great actor. He has created fun, but mainly that's because of the shape of his body. That's exactly what, what and, it is. And the sort of the hilarity of his accent. Yeah, you know, those are the two things. You know. That's it. Without those two things, Arnold Schwarzenegger would not be in that Savoy reading a book about wagon wheels. Yeah. He, that's not where he would end up. I don't, he, he, I don't know what he'd be doing. You know, he'd be a big bloke. Yeah. yeah he'd be a bouncer, wouldn't he? That's like what he'd be. Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, he stays in character, you can't speak to him, it's very difficult, but there are that performance he turns in yeah. once a decade. You know, it's just, you're a big man exploding stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's from, it. yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, Christ, that attitude on a desert island where, where you know, resources are scarce, and you're like, Arnold, look, I really think, like, if you can just move this rock with us, yeah. we can, like, open up to another channel, we can get some more fish into the lagoon, we might just be able to keep us alive. Yeah. Nothing. No, he's just reading a book on wagon wheels. And so reading safe. this sand. <laughs> I cannot see. Yeah. yeah. But, that, I mean, that's it. I've, you know, I know the, the premise of the entire podcast, but mm. now I have a woman with uh, obsessed with a tiny tin box and a man over here that won't even talk to me yeah. uh, and will just shrug his shoulders at his PR, whose corpse is there, probably. Um, I feel like they'd get on famously, though. Those two probably would, <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't fit in the box, I no. tell you. <laughs> OK, uh, who would be your final dick on the island, then? It's going to be an amalgamation. Okay. Right? It's going to be... It's going to be... I'm just going to broadly use the term management. OK. <laughs> Right. Um, specifically in broadcasting, right? right so I'm yeah. not going to name anyone <laughs> for obvious re- for obvious reasons, okay. right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take, and I'm, it's by no means all management, no, right? Because some people I've worked with are brilliant, yeah. Others, no, no. So, but I'm not, but but that's a broad spectrum, and it doesn't even mean that I've worked with them directly. It just means that they've probably had a hand in something <laughs> that that was dickish. Mm. Um, so I'm going to broadly say management, and and I'm going to. Uh, um, I'm going to zone in on one who was, I think, the first person who fired me from something. Okay. Now, ordinarily, when I've been fired from radio stations, uh, I, I'll hold my hand up and say, well, it probably is my fault, <laughs> more or less. Um, but other times it's been when, you know, as the, you know, somebody, a boss that likes you, yeah. as is prevalent in this industry, and hires you to do what you do, leaves, yeah. and the person coming up behind them, you know absolutely is not going to get you at all and you're going to be the first out of the door. Yeah. Because, because you know, you're a, you're a niche <laughs> sort of... <laughs> it's a Marmite figure, right? So I've had that a lot. Mm. But sometimes that's because, uh, you know, a big company has taken over another company and they're sending it in another direction sure. and that's fine. So it's not often... The, sometimes, though, it's just the individual takes and dislikes <laughs> or at least to what you're doing. Yeah. They'll be perfectly nice to you in the flesh, but they just hate what you're broadcasting. <laughs> 
happens a lot. Um, so my first, so I'm going to amalgamate okay. all the all these bosses yeah. uh, and management um, people um, and uh, who have been dicks, right? They know who they are. I don't yeah. need to name, right? Um, a lot of them haven't. And if you're listening to this, you're one of the nice ones. Uh, the other guy is the other one, so it takes. So, um, but you know, do, do you ever see um, Jason the Argonauts? Yes. So you remember that bit when they uh, ended up on the island? Mm-hmm. This is what I thought of this. And there was a huge bronze statue called Talos. Yes, rings a bell, yeah. The, on a plinth. Mm. And it comes to life. And it's got a shield. It's a great big Arnold Schwarzenegger-style yeah. yeah. shield and a sword. And it's a towering, you know, 60-foot-high <laughs> statue. And it comes to life and starts hunting down Jason and his Argonauts. Yeah. So what I want to do, I want to sort of amalgamate all these bosses into a sort of one big, giant, 60-foot-high... The ultimate manager. Ultimate management yeah. on a plinth. Great. That sort of inhabits the island like Talos. <laughs> okay. But I don't want to come back to life because all it would do would be to fire me from the island <laughs> for, for disliking the way, you know, I built a sandcastle. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we liked the sandcastle initially, but we've decided we don't now because of a management restructure. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But I'm going to, but, but I, I sort of want him to have the head and face of one particular boss. Okay. So the rest of it's an amalgamation. But this is um, a guy. Uh, who was the guy who fired me first. For, and I didn't definitely didn't do anything wrong <laughs> on this occasion. So it's my first ever radio sta- uh, station, show on a station, mm-hmm. which was a tiny little com- um, commercial uh, community-style station um, uh, called CTFM. Okay. Okay, down in Canterbury, in Kent. And uh, it, was, it was my first ever broadcasting job. So I was doing... Uh, I, I was at uni down there, but I'd, I'd got a Radio 4 series. And because that had happened, a guy was launching a radio station, and he, a guy called John Ryan, he's one of the good guys, he said, do you want to come and do an afternoon show? Yes, I do. Anyway, uh, and, and as ever... And that went very well for however long, 18 months, two years or something. Anyway, and then he left... And then the new guy came in, mm. uh, and uh, and he was more concerned with sort of the vending machine in the office than he was with creative programming in, right. in any way at all. And that was his big thing. Uh, and it all slightly came to head when he introduced a load of new strap lines for the radio station, which was, uh, you're listening to Kent's Best Party. Ooh. And I, I know, exactly. Uh, and I, so I categorically refused to say that yeah. because... And also, it doesn't take into account any time of day. I don't want a party in the morning. No, exactly. I want a party in the evening on some nights. <laughs> so there was... Well, exactly that. I want a party when I'm in the mood for a party. Yeah. And also, no, just yeah. awful, awful, awful strapline. And he... I mean, one of those things where you just go... And to tell us, tell us off on air, what he would do, he'd wait till we'd done something, which we'd already been doing under the old boss and was fine, but he just didn't like... Mm. So you'd come in and stand there during the show in the studio, which is never the no, right thing to do, no. is it? Wait till afterwards. Don't come and kill the atmosphere in the studio. And what he would do throughout the entire link that he didn't like, right? He'd stand behind you. The mics were live, so he didn't say anything. But to express his displeasure, he'd switch the light on and off. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, well, it's terrible, but... Okay. Yeah, that was what he'd do. That could throw you off into such a bad... Especially when you've got to use the word Kent a lot. Yes. You know, the last thing you want to yeah. do is distract a presenter. Yeah, I mean, had I said, uh, oh, well, it's CTFM and it's this best party, yeah. then fair enough, but I didn't. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's done there, just while you're speaking, just flicking the light on and off. 
Wow. Like, like sort of strobe lighting effect, just to express displeasure at what you were doing. That's like, such a weird thing to do. If you were writing a sort of a cartoon David Brent-style manager, yeah. you, you couldn't come up with something that ridiculous, would you? You'd it, just think, well, that's too far-fetched. Exactly. No it one was, would do that. It was so weird. And in the end, he, he had to come up with an excuse to get rid of us, uh, you know, because we I, mean, I think we had a contract, so he, we couldn't just do that. Mm. But he, he came up, we, we were in breach of contract, because we wouldn't say Kent's best party. And then when I did, right, I would... Um, suffix it with uh, you're listening to Kent's best party I'd say um, apart from that one in a crack house up the Sturry Road in Canterbury <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was the one where he went no yeah. no you've crossed the line yeah they just turned the lights off the lights off, off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and that was it my career was forever in darkness wow so he's the face of Talos yeah but the body's just kind of amalgamation of all the managers that are like that and sort of personify that, that weird light turning on because even if other ones haven't turned the light on and off. They sort of have in a metaphorical yeah, way. Yeah, it's that sort of, yeah. But I, I will stress, because I know people listen to this, that is in no way all of the management I've worked with. A lot of them mm. have been absolutely brilliant, but some of them really haven't. It's a particular style, isn't it? It's like the sort of person, rather than saying, oh, sorry, mate, you're a bit late. Is everything OK? They just sort of stand there and, like, tap their watch in front yeah, of you yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always a different way of doing yeah. stuff, isn't there? But lights on and off. Honestly, it was, it was like, what are you doing? That is unbelievable. I don't, I don't know what he's doing now. I've got no idea. Uh, I haven't seen his name in no. the industry since. So I don't know whether he... That was just a short-lived... You know, me just wandered in one day and decided to run around and say, I don't know what happened to him, but... Well, if nothing else, he is immortalised in this podcast... Yes, he is. Uh, ...as the face of Talos yeah. on the island. <laughs> a middle management Talos. Every now and again, you go, God, it's got dark quickly. Oh, it's light again. What? He's turning the sun on What are you doing, Talos? On the other side of the island. <laughs> say the link. Do the line. <laughs> this is the island's best party. <laughs> Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Um, well, it's the food mm. is an easy one, peanut butter. OK. Yeah, mm. I can't stand peanut butter. Um, it's, and it's not the taste of it, it's the clagginess of it. It's, the, it's, the, it's its drying properties. You, yeah. So you put it a bit in your mouth... And it just sucks all of the moisture out of your entire body. It desiccates you yeah. within a second. It's one of those very weird things like that. So when you mix corn flour and water, it's, it's a liquid and a solid. It's glue. Yeah. It's peanut glue is what it is. And I like peanuts. Mm. And I like butter. <laughs> Put them together. <laughs> Awful, and it's 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 just it's it's claggy sort of mm. of it. And I don't know. so someone said to me early on in my dislike of that. Someone said, well. Try it with celery, because that peanut butter and celery, you can put it, and it, it, it offsets the clagginess with the, the wateriness of the celery. The problem is, celery is my other food that I don't like. Right. Stringy, yeah. horrible celery. And so I'm no way I'm putting two of those things together. And you could offset the property of one with lots of things. It doesn't make the other things better. water, probably, but yeah. it's not enough. So no, I will not go near peanut butter. And I know people that spoon it out of the jar, and I just go, ah! Yeah, I mean, because I don't, I don't mind it, but I find it has to be, as you say, it has to be mixed with other things, you know. And, I, you know, I'll make some toast for my son. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, you might lick the knife afterwards and you can barely get the knife out of your yeah, mouth. Yeah. It's just like, what is this? Yeah. And you see him an hour later, his mouth just full. Do you want, do you want your cup? Here you go, here <laughs> yeah. you go. Oh, someone's, oddly, someone's just turned the lights out in this no, studio. that's weird. Now, 
Does he work here now? <laughs> Does he work here? And is he listening to this that on a feed elsewhere strange, in the building? Wasn't it? Just on and off. Whoa! It's the island's best party. We already <laughs> said it. Leave us alone. It's podcast's best party. Don't hit us. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, the last thing you want on an island is something like peanut butter, that sort yeah. of dryness. And and you sort of don't... I think, you know, it's so boring if it's smooth because there's nothing else to it. But if it's crunchy, you're getting bits stuck everywhere. Yeah. And I'm saying this yeah. as someone who doesn't mind it. Yeah, you I know. know. I still kind of... I'm recoiling as you're it. saying it. I just I, I have that just sort of feeling. I can sort of feel my mouth drying up at the very notion of talking mm. about it. It's a, it's, it's just a... I tell you what it is. If, if, as, as, as performers, okay, mm. when you sometimes, um, you know, uh, are doing something that you've not done before, or, or you're just starting out, and you get nervous about mm. going out on stage in front of a load of people, right? Uh, the, the classic thing is, of course, as anyone who's given a best man speech or a wedding speech would know, your mouth dries up, yeah. right? So it's that that feeling you have of your mouth drying up that you don't like. That's what I get from peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah, so to so, actively start your day with it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, and no amount of celery is going to help because that is stringy, disgusting stuff. Yeah, so you're sort of getting bits stuck in your teeth and you're getting bits stuck between your teeth yeah. because of the stringiness of the thing. Yeah, yeah. neither of them are helping each other. So it's, it's, pe- it's peanut butter. So if there's a vat of peanut butter, you know, if, if that woman's little tin is full of peanut butter <laughs> and it's a tiny tin, that's still too much peanut butter for this <laughs> island. Fair enough. I notice people keep trying to sort of come up with new ways of doing it like I think in the West Wing one of the characters used to have it with apple you slice apple and have peanut butter and then the other day I saw an M&S they now you can buy a little pot of sliced apples with peanut butter on it's not it doesn't work it's not nice who decided that I know that fruit and nut is a thing but it doesn't mean that nuts spread onto fruit makes it good you know peanut butter and apple it doesn't work it's really bizarre. I mean, I'm sort of tempted to try that, just just to see if the mm. apple does solve my problem. Yeah. But I probably won't. But it sounds like it's a problem that you, you don't need to solve. You seem to be doing all really. right There was it. a thing about peanut butter and Marmite together recently, I saw. People saying that's a, that's a taste sensation. Mm. But again, I'm not going to try it because no. Yeah. Just no to the peanut butter. Yeah, I feel like I've... I don't want to close myself off from new experiences. No. But certain things, I'm just not that... Yeah, I'm well, fine. Well, it's also my... It, my kids will torture me with, in, in, you know, if you go to France or mm. Europe, um, you can get, ba- I don't think they do them here, but you get big bags of peanut butter flavoured snack, like crisps. Yeah. They're sort of like Watsits, but yeah. they're peanut butter flavoured. I can't bear those either. And so, that, and, but they're equally claggy. But my kids will often trick me. You know, if, we, if we're abroad on holiday or something, they'll, they'll, they'll get these things and just mix them up with other crisps that I might like. And they go, try these, Daddy! And they'll go, ah! And they'll go, ah! In fairness, that's quite a good practical joke. Yeah, it's quite a practical joke. <laughs> you know, if I had a peanut allergy, they wouldn't be laughing then, would they? No, so, no, no, no. It does remind me of once swapping Nutella for Marmite at university, and that was, that was quite a good one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. I, I mean, I wish I had a peanut allergy, so I had a proper excuse. Yeah. But it's just that I, I, don't, yeah. I just cannot bear. But I like peanuts, so go figure. Yeah. No, I think it makes total sense. And, uh, yeah, exactly, for the island in a hot, sort of desperate environment. Oh, awful. Oh, look, you're going to be desperate want. for water anyway, aren't you? Yeah. So you don't want that. Yeah. John, what's going to be your drink choice? Uh, right, you know, the um, uh, it's a hateful triangle of, uh, of, of well, I'm going to say acid. It's, it's Capri Sun. Yes. Right? I don't like the pack. The packaging's stupid because mm. it doesn't stack. Yeah. <laughs> right? And and it tastes... It just coats your mouth with a lining. Can you see there's a theme developing? Peanut butter mm. and now... Carrot, it's, it just gives it a sort of... I don't know. A, just a, It layers... It leaves a layer on your teeth. 
Yeah. It's, a, it's just a hideous concoction. And it's hard to get the straw into that thing. It's really hard not to squirt it everywhere. That is a, precisely my other point. It, the moment you go... And that's sort of almost any carton of drink, isn't mm. it? Where, you know, I've got kids, so you spend a lot of time finding the sharp end of that mm. straw they give you to jab in. But uh, and, and, that, and cartons are bad enough. But because of the angle of the design of the side of a Capri Sun packet, yeah. it, you can't do it without chucking it all over yourself. Yeah, they're awful. And it's one of those things, it's not juice, it's not squash. What is it? It's, That's that, yes. It's the Sunny D category, isn't it? Yeah, like, what is it? Exactly. And I, because I don't know what it is, no. I don't trust it. And you're right, it's not juice, it's not squash, it's some concoction uh, in between of those liquids. Orange-flavoured chemical drink. That is what it should just say <laughs> on the side. Yeah, that is barely orange-flavoured <laughs> chemical drink. That is it. It's a Capri Sun. Yeah, and warm as well on the island. Oh, God. Yeah. I can imagine as well you're finding a job lot of those cut off the plane, but no straws. No straws. You have to, like, <laughs> grip it in your hand and suck it like a like an ape with a fruit. You know, just, like, just draining it of its nectar. Yeah, but, that's it. Well, that's it. So that's, that's, that's where you can picture me now, doing that. <laughs> smeared in peanut butter. Sitting on an angry woman's small tin. <laughs> it's a perfect choice. OK, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Uh, right, least favourite film. Um, I. Uh, this is a very niche film and it's a film I made <laughs> as a student. Right, so I did, I did a film degree, mm-hmm. uh, an, Eng- an English degree, but uh, in film, uh, you, you had to make a film, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a classic student film. Right. I mean, so it's the most pretentious obnoxious sort of thing you can imagine. Yeah. So I had, um, I went to film, it doesn't really have a name, I don't think it even had a title, it probably just had some sort of pretentious number. We shot it in, uh, in a topiary, so it's a bit sh- like The Shining, <laughs> okay, and it wanted to make a horror film, right, so, so the, the, it was a, we moved all of this bedroom furniture outside into a topiary mm-hmm. and set up a bedroom in a topiary and the, the, the plot, such as it was, was that someone went to sleep and then woke up, in a, and it was their dream. Right, they were in a okay, topiary, okay. and they and then on the foot of their bed, like that famous painting of the of the demon on the foot of the bed, mm. we recreated that. So I got a, a mate of mine because he didn't mind, smeared him with mud and coffee grounds, naked yeah. he was, sitting on the end of this bed, um, being a hideous, you know, demonic creature. While someone woke up in the bed in a topiary, and then <laughs> then weird things happened in the topiary, and various students were moving around in a sort of arty, what I consider to be yeah. an arty way amongst these things. Shoot, trying to shoot day for night as well, right. so stopping the lens right down, uh, the aperture right down to get that sort of murky okay. feeling um, in a topiary in a, on a, in a stately home garden that was open to the public. I mean, it was just, <laughs> but it was the most pretentious. It meant nothing. I mean, it was yeah. I was just copying stuff I'd seen and I liked. There were you know arty edits and cuts in there where I'd seen Highlander and you know in Highlander when the camera moves between certain things like at one minute it's in a lake yes. and then it only goes into a lake then it comes out of a fish tank right. and, and Russell McKay the director was using all these techniques to get between scenes and I loved all that so I was just doing that in a very student budget yeah, way yeah. and I watched it again and it's shit. Obviously, it's <laughs> shit. But it's a classic student film. But it's the sort of thing I go, I don't, I don't want to want to... That's the worst film ever made. <laughs> and I made it. So I sort of think, if the airline was showing that, then... Because uh, it's, it's not only do you have a 
bad film that you have to watch, which is your only entertainment, yeah. but it's also excruciating. It makes your skin crawl as well. It makes my skin crawl because you go, how could I possibly be that pretentious? I mean, I, you know, I got, I got a, a good mark out of it because at the end of the day, student films are supposed to be like that. Yeah. But watching it back now, no. no yeah, no, and no, you'd no. have to explain to the other inhabitants of the island what was going on and yeah. stuff like that. Well, and and, you know, I go, Arnie, this is still better than any of your films <laughs> with the possible exception of The Terminator. <laughs> and then he'd get true. angry and read his book and it'd all be over. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, can you remember what it was called? Did it... I don't... It was called something like, you know, Dream Shifter or something like that. Um, Or, you know... um but it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger. It should have been called Topia Recall, of course. <laughs> Topia Recall. Very good. Um, but I think it was called something like Dream Shifter, <laughs> which is awful, isn't it? <laughs> Terrible. But yeah, but that is the worst film ever. I mean, it does feel like it's the sort of thing you should have been doing, though. So in that in that yeah. respect, yeah. it sort of feels okay. Um, okay. And what would be your least favourite song? Well, again, this was a, this was a toss-up between uh, two songs. I, I have a bit of an aversion to song. You know, there are certain songs that have the noise of a screaming horse in them. Yes. So. Crazy Horses by the Osmonds, mm-hmm. for a start. But specifically, House of Pain, Jump Around. Okay. You know that bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Cypress it, Hill employed it Cypress well, Hill, didn't they? But I don't mind it in Insane in the Membrane. Mm. I don't mind it there, but I really mind it in um, House of Pain, Jump Around. Yeah. So that really... Because it's a bit... Sounds like nails coming on a blackboard to me. So the pitch is wrong. The, the sound yeah, is... Yeah, it's abrasive. I just go, oh, God, I hate that. It's a screaming horse song. I, I just... It just can't stand it. I just cannot, cannot stand it. I just, just go, no. And it makes me just cringe. And the other one... Um, so it is a toss-up. Um, okay. uh, I mean, it's more specifically that bit of noise that mm. I don't like. But there was a song called "Gypsy Woman" by Crystal mm-hmm. Waters, the one that goes la da dee la da da. I hate that. Right. I mean, that, so I think that's the one. Okay. That for me, I cannot bear it. I don't know why. I just have an absolute averse reaction to that song, and it just makes me want to die on the inside th- and on the outside. Yeah, it, it does sort of stay with you, doesn't it? It's kind of. I think. Um, it, it, partly because it's the, the sort of the refrain that she repeats a lot. It doesn't quite sound right, you know. It sort of yeah, it's slightly a bit off key, slurry it's, yeah, yeah, and it a does. bit odd, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is odd. It's there's something not right about it. It's a lot of, you, it's something you can't quite put your finger. on. I mean, I don't like it as a song anyway, mm. but there's something deeper going on with that yeah. that you can't quite put your finger on that makes me just feel uneasy. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the song is haunted. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a feeling that's wrong about it. Yeah, like it's slightly slowed down just every time she says that refrain you know it's like la la yeah, just sort of, yeah. no. so if that had horse noises on it <laughs> by some freak nature of this plane crash the horse noises had landed in that song and that was, was playing on a loop and they got yeah. stuck there then I would kill myself <laughs> <laughs> I always found with that song as well because the whole thing is she, she's talking about this homeless woman in the song she's going and she stands there singing for money la la di la 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 yeah I wouldn't give her any money yeah it's a weird thing to sing isn't it yeah. you'd think yeah. Sing, a proper, better than sing that. a proper song. Sing Streets of London. Yeah. You're homeless, you want some money. Sing Streets of London. That's what everyone does. If you go la da dee la da da when I'm coming down that tube escalator yeah. um, and you want some money, I'm giving you nothing. It's more, you're just uh, more likely to think they've got sort of health problems, aren't you? You've got, you got health problems, and, and because of that song that you're going la da dee la da so no, I'm going to kick you in front of a train. Yeah. That's what that's the, that's the feeling it gives, it gives me. And it's one of those songs that started off as a kind of pop song but then kind of became a sort of house classic. So it kind of. It's played more than other sort of more disposable songs of that oeuvre would be. Yeah. You know, it kind of pops up in mixes and things in bars and stuff. When I was at, when I was at uni, it was it was it was well known that I couldn't bear that mm. song. And so during an exam I had to do in the main exam hall, and, and where my friends had already finished their exams, were getting pissed outside um, in the quad or wherever <laughs> makes it sound. I didn't go to Oxbridge, um, basically on some grass. <laughs> right? They were. Um, um, 
they knew they knew I was in that room doing my exam. Mm. Fine, like, then the last one, right? So they just put it on outside, oh. so I could hear it drifting, Imagine drifting that. through the window. So that plus they did exam that. stress. Yeah, that, oh. they did that on purpose. Yeah, oh that's the kind God. of friends I've got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you'll be haunted by oh. it forever on the island. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's repetitive enough that it will, even when you're not listening to it on the island, it will get stuck in your head yeah. forever. Yeah, absolutely. Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Now, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Now, this is this sounds like an obvious choice, mm-hmm. right? And I imagine many people have chosen this. It's spiders. Okay. Okay. So I do have an issue with spiders. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't like spiders. I have arachnophobia of mm-hmm. spider. I've got better with it yeah. as I've got older and as I've had kids because, like Daddy Pig and Peppa Pig, you can't show fear of spiders. Yeah, spider you just have to deal with stuff. In front of your children who would then become scared of spiders, mm. which you don't want, right? So, um, but it all stemmed probably um, as an amateur psychologist. Um, I think when uh, I remember one very early age when my mum and dad had gone out. So I think my, my nana was babysitting and it was thunder and lightning outside and there was mm. a gap in the curtains and the lightning outside uh, was lighting up the bedroom, as it does. And I turned over and there was a spider on the wall next to my face. Oh, I mean, the perfect scene yeah. for childhood uh, And because paranoia. my parents were out, and it's a very early memory of, of they're mm. not there. Oh, there's yeah. a, I think that I think that generally think that's what did it. Yeah. In that scenario, the two results of that scenario is either one, you get arachnophobia, or two, you're in some kind of eighties horror film where yeah. the lightning <laughs> strikes and yeah. then you the next day you are a spider. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, or yeah, you're Spider Man or something sort of, yeah. like in that moment. And he woke up and was a spider. <laughs> um, but that, so I've always had a bit of an issue with spiders, and that's stayed with me. And and I, uh, you know, and I thought I didn't like. I, I thought I hated all spiders. Mm. But that's turned out not to be true. I don't mind tarantula, big tarantulas. Okay. Because they they're so, slow. Yeah, and they sort of have a purpose. Yeah, yeah. They plod, they're slow. It's the speed of the scuttling ones mm. in your house that I can't. Yeah. Now, annoyingly, of course, the, the big scuttling ones in your house are the ones in your house. Tarantulas don't tend to be in your house. That's so true. I can happily hold a tarantula. Mm. I don't mind that. The worst, some, well, I, when I lived in a student house that was, seemed to be overrun with these things, and it was a big high ceiling Victorian house, mm. uh, I bought an air gun in order to take out the spiders in the corner okay. of the room because I couldn't reach them. Or I didn't want to reach them. I don't want to go near them. I'm not the sort of person who could get something and get them in a yeah. couple. I have to smash them to bits. I'm not. I know that's not, you know, uh, the anti-spider lobby will be all mm. over me for that. But I'm sorry, it's me or the spider and the spider's going to lose. Fair so enough. I air-gunned a lot of them and just blew them to pieces. But no air-gun on the island. You just no, have to keep running around. Keep running. Uh, but the, I went to Costa Rica, mm-hmm. again, for a travel thing, and I accidentally told my guide it was just me and him in a jungle, in a rainforest, that I didn't like spiders, right? And he was like, no, no, I'll cure you of that. And I'm like, no, mate, I don't want oh, anything no. to do with your cure. He goes, no, 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 trust me, I'll fix that arachnophobia because this, this place is, it's, it's a rainforest. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't really, and we're in just a cabin, you know, and I'm like, I, just, I don't want to, you know, with nets around and beds, yeah. I don't want to get involved. In it. And he said, no, no, it, at night, let's go. So we went out into the rainforest and he's like, right, point the torch, we had a torch, point that at the floor for a start, because if you lift that torch and it, put it in front of you, every insect the size of a cat will just fly into your face because, <laughs> because it'll fly to the light. Point it at the floor. That's your first tip. Right. Great. Uh, and there are some big old insects. Yeah, in I can imagine. So, um, so he's, first of all, they've got orbs, orb weaving spiders, mm-hmm. the ones that do the big webs over the, over the pathway. Um, you know that you see, you see them great big. They sit in the centre of it, and they're big, um, not like a tarantula. They're big, 
uh, spindly legs. Yeah, they're the freaky ones. Freaky, aren't they? sort of thin. Yes, big thorax. Is it thorax? Yes, yes. But evil but spindly, spiky yeah, legs. They look yes. shiny. Yes, they're yeah. the, they're the bastards, right? So I don't like them. Anyway, of course they're everywhere, right? So he's going. They won't hurt you. And I go, no, Ronnie won't hurt me. I'm not just don't want to go near it. Anyway, he's sticking his hand in the web. This thing's running on his hand, oh. and I'm like nearly dying of fear. Yeah. I'm just going. I don't want this. No. And now I'm going, get me out of the. I'm, get me out of here. <laughs> um, so that's why I would never go on that program. <laughs> I could not do that um, and he, that, so he's doing that and he's like yeah, it's fine they're okay um, and then he uh, his next trick was to say right turn the uh, turn your torch off mm. we walked on a bit uh, torch off and then he said right just stand here just in the jungle he said now do for a moment put your torch in front of you and then just turn around in a circle and tell me what you see alright uh, and just glittering things like stars everywhere everywhere like, just glitter all around me and I'm like wow and he went spider's eyes he oh. said you're surrounded by them they, you know, this is that is you are just every time that reflects back at you, that is a spider's eyes. God. Yeah, and there were thousands. <laughs> and I'm like, you evil man. And then, and this was the crowning glory, his moment of going, going, I'll cure you of this. Right? He there was a great big one, mm. not a tarantula, but a, I mean, like a, it was like the size of a dinner plate, one, yeah. a cliched spider, but not a furry one, yeah. but just a big, again, legged spider. Um, and it was on a, on the side of a tree. And he, uh, he, was, he, he said, look, come and look at this. It's fascinating. Like, mm. uh, and, he, and I'm, like, getting nowhere near it. And he puts his hand out, and he, he's just pointing at it, you know, just saying, look, it's fine. It won't do anything. It's just going to sit there docile. And then it jumped on him. <gasps> yeah. Oh. And I, he shit himself. I have never seen a man jump so much as he did because he wasn't expecting that. And he said, and it jumped, wrapped itself round his arm, like, like Alien, like the face hugger oh. in Alien, round his arm... Right, he jumped a mile. It jumped back off and landed on another tree over here. Right, and he was like shaking, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And he went, he went, right. I've never known them do that before. <laughs> that they don't do that. He said, but what what it did? He said he thought I was food or a predator. Jumped on me to attack. Realised I wasn't food or whatever. Oh, it's fine then. And just, just jump back, jump back off and again. And I'm like. Right, you said you were going to help me with spider fear. I'm now far more frightened of spiders and remain so than ever. I've, it was horrific. That's, I, I'm, I've never been scared of spiders, but my palms are sweating I since know. you started it telling was. that story. That's horrendous. Just, and, he, and even he, as the, the guide of 25 years' experience in this rainforest, went, no, no, never seen that before. Wow. Oh, that's horrific. Absolute, so, so spiders. It's, feel, uh, it's when they, there's a sense of them getting smarter, I think, doesn't help. Yeah. Is it? I mean, like I said, I've never been scared of spiders, but... Over the summer last year, there was this huge spider I kept seeing in my living room, and then I'd get up and it, and it would run away, and it was fast, and it would run off, and I thought, okay, and then I'd see it come out again. And most spiders, they're just doing their own thing, they're not really aware of you until you sort of trap them under a glass or pick them up somehow. Yeah. This spider is huge, biggest spider I've seen in this country. It saw me coming, and it ran backwards where it had come from. No way. So it came what? out from under a the? chair, and it saw me and went, oh, hang on, and it went back, and I suddenly went... I think I'm scared of spiders now. Oh, it's, oh my! It's like they've got intelligence. God, and that and that that gave me pause for thought. Well, what happened? Is it still there? Probably. I haven't seen it. I don't know. It's probably got a degree by now because it's, <laughs> it's getting smarter like that. God. But I, it, genu- I've never seen a spider do a double take and just go what? No. And no, that was no, that was no. chilling. No, 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 no. Just you know no. when you can't like you can't tell any of your family. You know your wife comes in. You're like you okay? You're like yeah, yeah. Just uh, <laughs> thinking about Brexit or something. Like you know you can't because you don't you don't want to spin them out that this thing's in there. Yeah, house. there's something a spider the size of a cat coming after you. Wow. No, no, no. no. Well, John, I. 
I think you have given excellent answers, and uh, if anything, you've left me with uh, more than I more than I came in here with, which is <laughs> arachnophobia. So uh, you've done your job very, very well. And whatever the term for a fear of peanut butter is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Where can we hear and see more of you? Well, I don't know whether we mentioned. I, I do podcasts. I mean, I don't know whether you've heard of oh, podcasts. Oh, you do podcasts. I do podcasts. I'm a podcaster. Oh, okay. yeah, these days. I hear yeah. him podcaster. Sure. Um, uh, so I do a podcast called The The One Show Show, <laughs> uh, among many doing many other things, but. Um, the idea behind that is because there are a lot of podcasts that mm. analyse uh, TV programmes, you know, but worthy ones like Game of Thrones or The West Wing or whatever. And people, you know, analyse each episode in, in exquisite detail. Mm. So my, my thought was what's a programme that least deserves that amount of analysis, or indeed <laughs> any analysis? And the answer is The One Show. <laughs> so we do the, the One Show show where we take apart a week's worth of The One Show, uh, but forensically. Um, and I, again, Brilliant. idea that I had in a pub, wake up the next morning and think, well, that'll never work. Turns out it does. Turns out there's plenty of material in The One Show. To Amazing. Go so we do that. So The The One Show show is what you need to look at. Brilliant. Um, and the other thing is a programme called The Skewer, which is a series we've just done for Radio 4, which is, I'm, it's quite hard to describe if you haven't heard it. It's a satirical river of sound so the idea is that it's a soundscape of stuff from the news and what's going on all set to a weird soundtrack it's really trippy yeah it's it's really sort of late night do your head in stuff uh, someone described it as like that feeling when you're dropping off to sleep and you step off a curb and you go a bit weird yeah it's an audio version of that um so it's like a, it's a sound it's a soundscape but yeah. it, but it's it's satirical so it's it's got jokes but it's also quite dark and deep and I really recommend it I gave it a listen did you give it a listen yeah I really enjoyed it yeah. so, uh, so it's on BBC Sounds now uh, I think it remains there forever um, <laughs> series 2 is coming at the end of the summer but brilliant. BBC Sounds the skewer brilliant John thank you very much for coming in very welcome thank you for having me cheers <laughs>